In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. John 20:16. Mary found the empty tomb early in the morning before it was yet light, and she asked a man in the grounds, whom she mistakenly took for the gardener, if he has taken Jesus, then where has he put him? The man responds by saying her name, Mary. Instantly, she recognizes him. We have special ways of saying our loved one's names, don't we? My father's voice would soften when he heard me on the phone. He'd answer it with all the warmth of a winter's day, but as soon as I said, Hello, Daddy, it's me, his voice would soften as he said my name, Vivian. He had his own special way of saying it, rich with love, heavy with happiness, mellow with familiarity. Mary recognised Jesus not from how he looked, but from how he said her name, in a very special way meant for her alone. Isn't that a lovely message? We will recognize Jesus from the way he says our name. Let's practice listening. How? Or by being quiet for a few moments each day and letting him get a word in edgeways. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Carla Marie Williams, who describes herself as a mompreneur. She'll be joining me after the first break, so don't go too far. You'll be inspired by her story. My book excerpt is about how I lose 25% of my homeschool student body. Um, and pools wait a minute and memorial day is coming up i don't know what i'm looking at here and memorial day is coming up with the official start of summer as far as children and pools go that is and i have some news to report on homeland security and our trip to the zoo was a huge success so settle back in your pillows sip your tea while i share the hustle and bustle of a movable family for an hour Two of my gainfully employed children have invited us to visit their workplaces before we leave for our sojourn in England in a couple of weeks. We went to work with my teacher daughter one morning this week who toured us around her kinder care and we met all her children that she looks after and learned all of their names, at least for a brief moment. Her school really wasn't very big and I was impressed at the classroom size and how organised everyone was and how caring the teachers were with all their charges. Of course, Paris was the caringest, but then I'm biased. Children love her. However, spending eight hours a day with 22-year-olds takes a saint with a lot of stamina. I couldn't do it. Great job, St. Paris. And so on that child note, I'm going to go to my book excerpt for the chapter entitled Keeping the Child in Childhood. Our oldest is starting to have second thoughts about moving away from home. Come on. 
Ian, my oldest, at 18, came into my room and told me he didn't want to go away to college. Visions of a well-earned 25% reduction in the student body at Wildflower Academy vanished, as did the light at the end of the homeschooling tunnel. He'd just received his Associate of Arts degree from the local community um, college and didn't see the point of going away for two years to finish off his bachelor's in film. He told me about how much he loved being at home and how frightened he was of change. Of course, as his mother, I knew this. He wasn't a furniture mover like me, preferring to keep everything as is in his room. The thought of having to take down posters and rehang them in a dorm room had him relaxed. He said he looked around the house and saw signs of his happy childhood everywhere. The kitchen table where we ate all our family meals, the floor where he did school, the new room where he was found sleepwalking numerous nights, the guy's smiley poster in his room, and the bed he'd call from to help him get his priorities straight as he smoothed a twisted and wrinkled sheet after an exhausting dream. He confided in me his fear of possibly losing touch and never being able to come home again and reconnect. I don't know where he got that last one from. Perhaps it was the invoice for an advertisement that I'd run in the newspaper offering a large bedroom for rent. He was suffering from anxiety and was upset enough to consider going to see a priest about it. I'd succeeded in keeping my oldest son young and innocent and it was backfiring on me. Ian just didn't want to grow up. We had the Peter Pan syndrome playing out in our one-room schoolhouse and I had to think fast. Inspiration struck, it usually does, when I put my trust in the last resort, God. I sat Ian down on the bed where I was busy rejuvenating brain cells and attempted to put his mind at ease by telling him that he'd only be 12 hours, that was 1,000 short miles west of him. Everyone in America goes west eventually, Ian, I soothed. I'll be all alone, he whimpered. I assured him that we'd be at the other end of a phone at all times, if I remember to turn my cellular on, and he had to admit I was getting better at keeping it charged. All there's always email, I declared with relief, knowing how popular this form of communication was becoming with his generation. If you promise to IM, he added. Whatever that is, I thought happily as I nodded, willing to commit to anything now that my light was glimmering dimly at the end of the tunnel. I was ready to say farewell. Ian would be closely watched by the other three siblings to determine just how elastic the apron strings were. I thought I had him pumped about meal plans, dorm rooms and the appeal of becoming a full-time dependent student, but the enthusiasm I was finding was fragile. Maintaining our grip on childhood has probably been the one constant battle that my husband and I have had to fight. As the years progressed, so did our aggression to safeguard our children from growing up too fast. The Eighth Commandment tells us not to steal. Today's culture endorses age-appropriate behaviour, age-inappropriate behaviour, all the way from designer clothes to street hair to piercings and bare skin, from skimpy tops to makeup to dating in sixth grade and to daycare centres in middle schools for the young unwed parents' babies. We've watched as children have their childhood snatched away from under their noses. The rampant and money-grabbing media are encouraging children to grow up too fast. We decided not to buy into this thievery by avoiding television and malls as much as possible. 
The choice experts tell us to allow our children to make up their own minds about what influences them. But to my mind, all the temptations and commercial attraction can be accessed after homeschool. When they reach 18 or go away to college, I'll be satisfied that at least I kept my children at an age-appropriate level for 18 years. They grow up awfully fast anyway, so why encourage them to do so at 11? If 10-year-olds going on 20-something are the price I have to pay by allowing my children roaming privileges among the more exposed traditional schoolers, then forget it. The fact that my children seem to be lagging behind in the precocious states by enjoying the simpler pleasures of life at home proves that childhood still reigned supreme in the McNenny household. Privileges that came with birthdays were gradually bestowed upon the boys that set them apart from their sisters. The later bedtimes, more mature films, internet access, sleepovers, parties, telephone calls, cell phones, driving licenses, college and being allowed to stay at home alone were all aspired to ferociously by the girls who wanted to grow up more quickly while simultaneously being afraid to do so. Our children naturally have tendencies to lean towards the attractive company of their rapidly maturing teens, teen peers, while we're out and about doing our socialising, church, theatre, choir, the gym. When we later talk about their friends, we discover that not only do they agree with our cautious guidelines, their peers usually do too. In the end, they agreed that we cared. We weren't deliberately trying to ruin their lives really wants to become a teen mum at 13 or spend all their money on the latest fashions only to wear the outfit outfit once in fear of being laughed at if it's ever worn again mature thinking going on here with my immature and non-precocious children our children may still be children and they should be but they're not bratty two-year-olds anymore when they go out in public they're mature young people they know how to present themselves to strangers anywhere from the age of teen something to ancient they incline their heads in obeisance to great age and wisdom and speak only when spoken to i wish When I hear our children described by others, I'm glad I knew them first. Well, second, if you read Jeremiah 1.5. Their good behavior is a strong clue to us that as a school, we have done something right. In this 14th year, the two boys are still running around in the backfield, playing balloon wars and filming intricately choreographed lightsaber fights. The girls are in tow as water carriers and snackmeisters, enjoying the company of older boys who are not related to them. My parents kissed their childhoods goodbye at the age of 14. By the time they were shipped to Germany as conquering heroes after the war, they'd been working for seven years. They met in Berlin, courted and were married and continued their education with books and classical music, a passion they passed on to me. Children in America today aren't expected to go out to work at full time at such a tender age. They stay at school and through exposure to the high-speed internet, movies with mature themes, music with explicit lyrics, sexual experimentation at increasingly young grade levels, tight-fitting clothes, heavy makeup, suggestive dance moves, increased alcohol and drug use, inappropriate possessions at an early age such as iPods and cell phones, our modern culture is accepting the rapid maturation of our future adults, thus robbing the child from childhood. Returning childhood to its rightful spot in the family is not a job for society. It's not the exclusive ideal of the homeschool parent either. We know isolation is not the answer. Keeping children young begins at home, and like all things worthwhile, it's not a cakewalk. 
our children are well aware of the traps they can fall into outside their basement. In the apt words of Malia, who asked at the sage age of four, on my birthday, do I have to be five or can I stay four if I want to? It takes courage to grow up, to move on and to give up that room as I gently reminded my son on the verge of his independence. With one-fourth of my homeschool about to break free from his chains, I was emboldened with a new confidence in the strong foundation laid in our home to trust God, dress age appropriately, endure being told no, and above all, to be obedient to the word. I knew without a doubt that at 18, Ian was old enough to go into the world and suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortunes even though he balked at the idea. We sidestepped his protests and whining, which he later thanked us for, and took a 12-hour family trip in a huge rented van to Santa Fe, settled him into his dorm room, and two days later bid him a tearful farewell and retraced our tracks. We have now set our sights on the light beckoning from the other end of the tunnel, and Ian's room has become the summer office for my husband, where he's enjoying a season of air conditioning while we continue to prepare the rest of our student body the world. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hey moms, get ready for Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Living the Dream Mom is about the true realities of motherhood, the beauty and the rewards of watching your children grow. All these moms have something in common. They put their kids first. It's not about the kids all the time and the diapers and the bottles and the breastfeeding. It's about showcasing the mother in motherhood, real moms in the real world. Do you get it? Now that's what the show is about. So every week, let's get together and we'll share these great stories with you guys. And I hope by the end of the show, you'll be saying, you know what? That is my life. Nina gets it. And I can't hardly wait to see what she brings me next week. Don't miss the next Living the Dream Mom. It's real moms in the real world. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry. On toginet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
Well, hello, I'm back, and my guest this afternoon is Carla Marie Williams, a self-described mompreneur. Carla homeschools her three children while managing her business, directing a new foundation she's just started, drafting and editing her second book, and preparing for the launch of her new show right here on Toginet Radio on June 7th. Today, we're going to talk about how she does all this and still finds time for herself and her husband. Welcome this afternoon, Carla. Hello, how are you? I'm well. How about you? Fantastic. Glad well, to, to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I had to catch my breath after reading <laughs> off that stuff that you do. And um, before we really get into um, everything, um, my listeners, I know, are always curious as to a little bit of background about my guests. So um, tell me a little bit about um, your education and your background before you had children. Well, actually, I spent um, about two years at Michigan State University here in uh, Lansing, and um, following that, I spent a very long career in uh, both banking and human resource management. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at that point um, of my career that uh, our children appeared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we had started the process, but we had um, had decided that I definitely wanted to stay home. Um, they were very young, so at that time we hadn't uh, necessarily considered homeschooling at that moment, but um, we definitely wanted me to be at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, going from having no children to having three children, actually two toddlers and an infant, mm-hmm. at once was uh, was quite a transition. Mm-hmm. So how long have you and your um, husband been married? We had been married, uh, before we adopted our children, we had been married eight years. Okay. All right. And tell me a little bit about um, how you found out about homeschooling. Um, You said when you first adopted your children that really homeschooling wasn't on the cards. So, you know, is there a big homeschool group where you live? Tell me a little bit about that. You know, actually, um, homeschooling's not the the in thing to do where I'm from. Oh, really? <laughs> and so I was definitely breaking the mold. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when it comes to you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of friends and family and women that you know put off ha- even starting a family till you know they're at a certain point in their career, and I was on that same track as well. Uh-huh. Um, but when it comes to homeschooling. Um, originally, when my oldest turned five, I had decided that that's what I that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But about a week before or a week after school started that fall, I chickened out and okay. I sent her to school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I chickened out and I, you know, I just I I didn't know much about it. I didn't know that there were homeschool groups. I didn't know enough to know that I really could do it. Mm-hmm. And so my children spent probably the first, uh, she spent uh, preschool through second grade in school. Mm -hmm. And um, my other son just uh, spent preschool and kindergarten, and the baby hasn't started yet. So Mm -hmm. pretty much um, after dealing with the, the... public school system, which I am not anti-public school, so right. um, I just, I I myself believe the homeschooling was the best thing for me and my family and what my mm-hmm. children's needs were, mm-hmm. and uh, began to investigate. I did know uh, maybe one or two people that had homeschooled. I didn't know that it was as large of a community nationwide as it is, 
And so once my eyes were open to that and knew that there was a lot of support online and within my reach, um, I said, I can do this. You know, there are other people just like me that are doing it. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's when I stepped out uh, and decided that, you know, we would bring them all home and homeschool. Well, when I, my first day of homeschooling, I had everybody, I had everything kind of, we'd gone out and gone shopping and we'd got desks and we'd got cubicles and all that stuff because I had poor children. And halfway through the day, I went, oh my God, what am I doing? I mean, this is the worst mistake I have ever made. And I called my husband yeah. at his work and I said, I'm going to have to send them back. I was almost on the phone to the headmaster to say, can you take them back, please? Can you take them back? And I went to the gym. I, I just closed school after after about you know lunchtime. And I went uh-huh. to the gym where I'd met my friend who was a homeschooler who had encouraged me. And I said, this is just awful. But she just said to me, take a deep breath. You'll be fine. She asked me what I was doing and how high my expectations were. And so the next day I did it again. And it was just literally a day-by-day process of yeah. I want to do this. I know I really want to do this and you know i just need to not because i mean they're not going to suddenly fall into you know just because i'm on board doesn't mean that they're going to be able to do exactly what i want them to do and you know what it's like when you add right mix you know it's like having a restaurant and it looks beautiful until you start to bring in all your customers and they just mess it up and you go what happened to my pretty (laughs) restaurant you know and that's what was happening with the homeschool so we persevered and i'm glad you did too and i think the first call i made about homeschooling was the chamber of commerce of all things i called them to see if there were any groups homeschool groups and then from there i went on because uh, i didn't know anybody that homeschooled it was just an idea that kind of popped into my head and i thought that sounds like a nice idea so uh, you know i just <laughs> went ahead and did that so well good and so what about your friends and your family did they think you were totally crazy <laughs> i would say i had lots of people that were shocked Mm-hmm. that I would even consider such a thing. Number one, because most of the people that were around me were around me uh, before I was a mother. Okay. And so they had never seen that part of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were <laughs> a career such, woman, right? Right. I was a career yeah. woman, and, yeah. you know, it was just myself and my husband. I didn't have any other responsibilities, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that, so they were beginning to see a different person, a person that may enjoy being at home. Mm-hmm. You know, who is this person they're seeing? Um, so I've had I had some friends that uh, mostly that were educators that were not happy at all, and they didn't voice it. They just didn't necessarily, you know, show their excitement about it. Um, and then I had um, some friends that were like, "Wow, good for you! I wish I could do that." My family was very supportive. Um, I think that there were always doubts whether or not I would uh, persevere. Mm-hmm. And whether or not I would continue, but they were supportive. If this is what you want to do, then go, you know, go ahead and do it. And um, my husband obviously was was very supportive, and and he had more confidence in me in the beginning than I had in myself. <laughs> and uh, I I really appreciate that because um, I needed that in the beginning. And like you said, I in the very beginning I created an entire classroom. <laughs> 
and now it is a shrine because we don't even use it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I was saying in my in my book excerpt, you know, my son was going off to college and he was kind of looking at the floor where he used to do his school, and you know, and I, every one of my children did their school in a different place, either a bed or you know a couch or a floor or the kitchen table or whatever. And so they, they we didn't do school at, at the desk for very long. Right, I, and that's I, how we started. And I started <laughs> by literally instructing and literally, yeah. you know, yeah. and I had a four-year-old bouncing off the walls while I'm trying to teach, you know, the first grader and the third grader certain concepts. And it was, it was mad. Yeah. And I, yeah. I would call my husband, just like you said, and I'd say, you know what? Either I made the wrong decision or I'm not doing this right. Yeah, something's <laughs> so wrong. So I, um, yeah. But things now, you know, once I've relaxed and realized I'm not trying to create school at home, that's the mm-hmm. difference. The whole point of homeschooling is having more flexibility and being able to create the environment that each child needs to learn. And so once I learned that and I got it, it's mm-hmm. much easier now. You know, I'm not going to say it's easy every day. I'm not going to say that I'm, you know, excited every single day. <laughs> <laughs> but I am um, I'm excited that it's a choice that we have stuck with and um, and planned to and uh, and have done well with. My children have um, exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, well, and I, you, and you I, said that with your um, oldest daughter that there was there were things going on at school that were obviously on the surface. You know, this behavior was going on, but there was something deeper inside that was yeah. troubling, worrying her. And by bringing her home, you were able to, you know, get to that. And I think that's so important that, you know, mom it can is. get to the core of the problem. And teachers can't do that. There are too many children in their classrooms for them to do that with each child. Right. And yeah. having been, been adopted, she, she had a, a few extra needs. Mm-hmm. Um, that a teacher just cannot provide for her. Mm-hmm. And I can't expect for the teacher to provide that. And I felt I can teach her and provide that. Why not do it? And I was already home. I didn't have to quit a job. I was home with the youngest child. So um, it, it was just a great fit and great timing for us. And so you say you adopted your three children um, at the same time. Did you adopt them all at the same time or just in the same year? Are they from the same family? They are from the same family. Um, the first two came first <laughs> um, in February of 2006, and then uh, the baby was born about three months later. Oh. And they are all from the same family. Oh, that's wonderful then. So they, they really are brothers and sisters. And, Definitely. And, uh, um, do, they, do they get to see their biological family still? Uh, no. No? Okay. You made the choice not to do that? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I have a, I have a friend actually. She fostered and then adopted her two children. One, the oldest one, um, had access to the biological mother, and ended okay. up going back to her when she was like sixteen or seventeen, and it caused so much so much emotional turmoil and problems for her my my friend and that with the second one she actually chose not to allow contact or not to encourage contact i don't know what you do whether you can allow contact or disallow contact or whatever but whatever it was yeah yeah it just it depends upon the type of adoption um from the very beginning, what the agreement is, the situation surrounding the adoption, whether or not a contact is allowed or yeah. whether it's an option. So. Yeah, yeah. And so she decided not to with her second one, and it seems to be working 
for both okay. of them very much better because uh, you know that that's that's a struggle you go from one home environment into another one and you know it's it just it it upset i think it upsets the um other little girl way too much so Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, for those of you who are just joining us, my guest this week is Carla Marie Williams. She left a long career in bank management and human resources to homeschool and become what she calls a mompreneur. And so she's she's been inspiring us this afternoon as she talks about um, her children and homeschooling her um, three adopted children. And Carla is going to be starting a new radio show at Toginet on June 7th. And so she will tell us all about it when we return after this short break. So just grab another cup of and hurry back. I won't be long. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what the Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Tokyo. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Before we start to talk about your show, which I which I want to do because I want to plug your brand new show, and um, <laughs> congratulations on that. Um, I just want to ask you now. 
I know that you're homeschooling three children. They're all pretty close in age, like like all yeah. of mine were as well. But you're also working and you're also writing a book and you also have a foundation and obviously a personal life because you have a husband. So yeah. what does a typical day look like? You say you're, you're no longer kind of sitting at your, your desk and, and teaching per se. So, you know, do you have a <laughs> curriculum? Do you unschool? Um, so tell me, tell, and what about interruptions? You know, because you say you've got a young one you know sort of bouncing off the walls what do you do tell me what you do how your day goes well you know it is constantly a work in progress and the main thing that i uh that i focus on is being flexible mm-hmm. if you're not flexible and especially if you're a control freak like myself <laughs> who really is very much just my personality i want everything perfect everything lined up everything timed properly um, and i had to get had to get used to things not always working exactly in the timing that i wanted to throughout my day um, i do have some structure but i'm also very flexible with that structure so that i am not uh so regimented with my children that they feel you know like homeschooling is uh it's not a benefit to them. But one of the things that I do, um, I uh, I run, we kind of run our family based on lists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we mm-hmm. have by, based on checklists. So my mm-hmm. children have a morning checklist, an afternoon checklist, and an evening checklist. Mm-hmm. And they are rewarded based on, you know, completing those checklists. Um, it's not, you know, like military standard, but... Um, those are those are expectations, and each child has checklists based on their age and their level of comprehension and what they can do, whether it's chores, um, dressing themselves, getting their work done, uh, you know, those kind of things, mm-hmm. helping out around the house with, uh, with mom and dad. And um, that kind of helps me um, break the day up into blocks of time, and I know that when you know, certain things are happening or when I can get, you know, get online or make phone calls and th- things of that nature. Um, so that I, I think more than anything that has helped our family because in the very beginning I did not have that. Um, so running by checklist is imperative for us. Um, one of the other things that I do because uh, my youngest is four, he'll be five in July, so he's getting a, you know a little more mature and more willing to sit down, and we spend a little bit more time with him. Um, is that I block out a certain amount of time where each child has my time with their their particular studies, what they're working on, and I don't answer the phone, the TV's not on, um, you know, the computer's not screaming at me, it's completely turned off so that I can focus on them. Mm -hmm. And then they also know, um, I'll let them know, mom is going to make phone calls, you know, and there's a certain amount of time. So it's kind of like our household is trained to -hmm. respect certain times of day that exist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, now is mommy's time to work on the computer, now is mommy's time, you know, to, uh, to make phone calls. Um, and they've learned to respect that and understand that this is what mommy does for a living. And um, so it it took time. Yeah. It took time, but but working those checklists are godsend. 
they well, really are. I, I used to love making up little schedules. I'd do the same kind of thing. I'd have I'd uh-huh. my, have my little spreadsheet and I'd have each child's name across the top and then the time down the side. And I'd uh-huh. put in when I would work with each one of them and what subject I was working with. And I, it gave me so much satisfaction to draw up these little checklists and cut them out and post them all over the place and give them to my children. And then I never looked at them. That was, that was as <laughs> far as it went for me. I, I got it all planned out so that I could prove to myself that this would work. You know, there were enough hours in the day and I could still have time to myself and I could give time to my children. But I didn't adhere to it um, rigorously. We did still, I mean, obviously with four children all in different, you know, sort of different, mo- you know, sort of maths and stuff like that, I did have to give individual time. They loved that individual time. But I also right. had to take time for myself. And we usually finished, I mean, lunchtime try to get them back to school and do anything after lunch forget it we had to do something fun after you lunch forget it that's for yeah. sure <laughs> yeah and so that was good so we would start really early in the morning are you an early morning person now we we do get up i'd, I'd say not as early as we did when when we, i was Busing them and driving them all over the earth, but um, we—I'd say our day starts about eight. Um, when and that's when their first checklist starts. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that I do have checklists of my own, but most of the checklists are are theirs, and they're responsible mm-hmm. for knowing what they're supposed to do and when they're supposed to do it. So they'll tell me, you know, oh, I have I have sweeping today, or I have vacuuming today, or I have dishes today. Um, and they're responsible for doing those without being told. Mm-hmm. And so it really helps me to be able to focus on the things that I have to focus on outside of that when I know that they are, you know, taking care of their responsibilities. But uh, Did you use a things? curriculum? Yes. You, you, yes. So um, anything in particular or just a, a mix of I, things? Well, I, I, I do use a mix of things. For my oldest daughter, I use um, Alpha and Omega Life Packs. Okay, and I absolutely love them. Mm -hmm. She flourishes with those. Um, They're just just a really great um, ten volumes for every subject, five different subjects, and then obviously I teach a lot of things outside of that as well. Um, For the other two, they are in two different. Well, my second child is in three different grades. He's literally by age in first grade, but I'm but I'm homeschooling second and third grade, depending upon the subject with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my preschooler, I'm homeschooling kindergarten, mm-hmm. and so because of that, both of them, I kind of um, take things from different curriculums and different ideas that I uh, to create their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you read to them? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and they and you can read a one lot book of reading them time. together. Yeah. Oh, I, I used to have umpteen books going on. I'd have my own book going on. Then I'd have each one would have their own book. And then we'd have a family book that we'd all read. And I go, I love to read. I mean, it was right up my yeah. street. I could spend hours just reading to them. So that was always fun. Definitely. All right. Um, so are you, uh, I mean, what if your oldest decides that she wants to go back to school? Are you open to that? The jury is out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. You know, because, the, the you know, I was determined that they were going to homeschool, and I had people around me who had some children in school, some children not in school. You know, they were back and forth, in and out, and I'm going, I find huh, that no very continuity. Hard. <laughs> yeah, I find it very hard to not remain consistent. Um, and and we, I personally really want to go all the way through, and what I want to convey to my children is the benefit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so from the very beginning, I've, I've shared with them the different benefits of homeschooling. Um, what would you be doing at school right now? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Don't you like being done with school at noon? Yeah. Uh, don't you like being able to, you know, have this free time and decide what you do with it? Yeah. Um, and yeah. don't you like to be able to learn things that you would not learn in school? Yeah, and so exactly. I, I try to plug that for them. Um, yeah. They may or may not decide that they want to go back, but that is not necessarily, as a parent, that's our decision mm-hmm. uh, to decide, you know, if that's the best for that particular yeah. child. Yeah. And our, our goal is to is to go all the way through. So just a little bit of a deviation here. Now, you're in Lansing, Michigan, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, I can hear, because I'm in Texas, so I'm in the south, so I can detect a little bit of a southern accent. Are you from the south? No, I am not. And you know what's oh. funny? Because I've had several people ask me, "Was I, from, you know, am I from the South?" Uh-huh. I am born and raised in Michigan. Really? And uh, yes, have been here my entire life. <laughs> That's interesting because I could yeah. hear that, you know. And being, it's very difficult for me to hear regional accents, you know. Uh-huh. But um, I can definitely hear a Southern accent, so. <laughs> It's a slight one. It's, well, it might just I be the gentleness. It just might. It just because a southern accent is a really soft, flowing voice, isn't it? It's not hard like the northern accent or anything. So it's pretty. Right. It's perfect for a radio show, Carla. <laughs> um, now you tell me a little bit now about your business because I know that you have your own business. So what is uh-huh. your business? Um, it's Family by Design, All Things Adoption, and we are a consulting firm. Um, what we do is we do seminars and workshops and provide ebooks and other resources for families that are looking to adopt. Um, and we also do one-on-one consultations with families, both pre, pre-adoption and post-adoption after the placement has taken place. Um, we... Before we even started our company, we assisted several family and friends in doing um, this very thing. And that's how, you know, we just kind of decided, you know what, this is really a passion for us. We need to run with this. So you're saying um, us, and that's your husband and yourself? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And And you you were doing this before you adopted, or did your adoption process open your eyes and you you went, oh, we could do this? That's exactly what happened. Um, I began to share information with other people, and um, I think I've had several adoptions take place as a result of our referrals and just kind of coaching friends and family through the process as they're adopting. And um, it was it was just such a rewarding experience to be able to do um, such. And I, it just became such a passion for me that I said, you know what, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to follow this instead of, you know, something else that may be fleeting. It was really a passion, and that's why we decided to open Family by Design. Mm-hmm. And... As a result, um, we obviously have the radio show coming up, but we also have, um, you know, e-books that, that we're writing to help people through the process that don't necessarily have the chance to uh, come to a seminar or a workshop. Um, Marvelous. Well, really- we're down to about a minute left, so I want you to okay. talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing on your show. Okay. Well, I'm so excited about the show. I mean, it. I'm just... I'm really excited. We have um, lots of different guests. Um, I'll be sharing a lot from uh, from some of my writings and my blogs and books that I've um, that I've written. Um, just different lessons and tips and ideas and resources uh, for adoption and for foster care. And um, 
We have lots of guests, professionals that work in the adoption field. Mm-hmm. We have um, authors that uh, that have adopted or work in the adoption field, or some authors that are um, that are adult adoptees, people that have been adopted, okay. people okay. that have grown up in foster mm-hmm. care. Um, so a lot of very inspiring stories. Um, to help people along their journey, but also one of the main things that we'll be talking about is adoptive parenting mm-hmm. and how to handle some of the um, the hurdles that, that take place well, during that transition. Well, closing up now with our time, but after the break, I will give a little plug about your show and everything, Carla. So thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank Have a you. great weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 success stories from successful entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Um, I have been talking to Carla Marie Williams. She's a homeschooling mother who also has her own business, a new foundation and a second book in the works. And Carla was an inspiring woman who will be hosting her own show, Family by Design, here on Toginet Radio, starting on June 7th. Her website is www.familybydesignadoption.com. And um, I want to thank Carla for joining us um, this week. And make sure you tune in on uh, June 7th. I don't know what time her show is, so you can go on to Toginet Radio and look her up. It's called Family by Design. Thank you. 
Well, I was talking to a friend of mine who doesn't have college-age children yet. She will, sooner than she thinks. And she homeschools her four children and tutors math to supplement her husband's income. And at this time of the year, her business is booming. She's even had to add Sundays because she's tutoring the juniors and seniors who really do not want to be in high school in the first place, let alone spend precious free time away from the classroom, sitting in her kitchen learning quadratic equations and pre-calculus with the dog while their friends are engrossed in social networking. She has a lot of conversations with their mothers who set up these unpopular tete-a-tetes. These telephone calls that she has are frantic exercises in squeezing the last minute out of an already overloaded teenager's schedule without causing a complete meltdown and sinking it to my friend's busy four children and a dog inhabited life. But you homeschool, don't you? Can't you fit him in this afternoon at 3.30? What do you mean you have something planned? Homeschoolers don't go out. Homeschooling mothers like stay-at-home mothers mythically spend their days sitting around doing nothing. Well, maybe watching the odd soap or occasionally lunching with girlfriends or getting the weekly mani-pedi or shopping, also known as running errands, but in essence, nothing really very much. Obviously, they're free to do all kinds of things or can quickly drop what they are doing, which is nothing, to do all kinds of things other mums who work, or should I clarify and say other mums who go out to work, just can't find the time to do. Shame, shame, shame. Added to this scheduling nightmare, which my friend has to keep hold of with a voracious strength, she also has the pleasure of teaching, or should I say tutoring, these young men and women who would rather be out finding themselves. I've met lots of those seekers in my life. In fact, I probably was one myself. Our college system in England was very accommodating in that respect. We colleged at no cost for three years, and at the end of our final term, we spent six weeks taking exams. I was flexible. My social life could go on hold for six weeks while I studied and sat my finals. We could apprentice or go to vocational schools, or we could just work. No stigma attached. The American system is not quite so flexible. It's expensive to start with. There are few vocational trade schools, and anyway, most students are expected to go to college whether they want to or not. Hence the heavy tutoring demand my friend is experiencing. As a homeschooling mother for the past umpteen years, I learned a lot of academics. I'd probably been taught most of the subject myself while I was at school, but I was enjoying it so much more now. Sitting in my friend's dungeon kitchen, I remarked that school was wasted on young people. By young people, I mean the ones who have mastered the reading, writing and arithmetic portion of their studies while they were still young enough to be willing vessels and soak up information happily. The school content I'm talking about is the history, geography, science, math portions that interfere with growing up and having a good time. I wondered out loud if it wouldn't be better to let all children who had a tendency to get jobs and have a shot at independence between the ages of, say, 16 and 24 to go out and do just that. How about encouraging your children to find out what the world is like before they go to college? Discover what it's re- what they really want to do instead of taking a myriad of college classes to make that decision. If they have a strong foundation in their education, those are called the three R's, they will eventually settle down once they've finished finding themselves. They may even go to college or come back home to live. Help on that latter, on the latter. Don't despair of your child if he or she wants to change the order of his life. Enjoy him. Don't try to fit him, her into a mould not meant for her. Enjoy her too. This time passes really fast. Funny. 
That's what I tell frustrated mothers of two and three-year-olds. My friend was a little bit horrified at my idea. I am her homeschooling mentor, and I could almost see her thinking, oh, Am I going to have to buy into this new educational philosophy? Shannon Godfrey, Google her, she's the phonics lady, says as long as your children aren't promiscuous or into drugs and alcohol, they'll be fine. Okay. Could I have let my son decide not to go to college because he got cold feet? Well, he wasn't rebelling that much, and he did want to get finished sooner than most. Both my boys did. We'd had that conversation many times. But honestly, when it came to my girls, I knew they weren't four-year college material. My oldest went to Africa to serve on the Mercy ships and then studied for a certificate in early childhood teaching and special needs. Today, she works at a kinder care looking after a room full of two-year-olds. That takes a special skill. Believe me, I've had four of them myself, thankfully, not all at the same time. My youngest daughter gritted her teeth through the academics of an Associate of Arts degree and is now going to perform in a performing arts college in England. Learning life skills and responsibilities are important. My teacher daughter has lost three jobs this year through no fault of her own. She needed a full-time job to pay her rent and was only getting part-time because of budget cuts. Her savings were dropping dangerously low, but happily through more perseverance than I ever saw when she was tackling a college paper, she finally found a full-time position. What if it became the norm and socially acceptable to go to college between the age of 24 and 28? Would these more mature students have missed opportunities? No, they would have picked up on different kinds of opportunities while they were still young and maturing. Perhaps by waiting, they'd appreciate college more. I know I love every moment as a homeschooling mum. I'm becoming quite clever. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? I sat in my friend's kitchen, rubbed pleased with myself as I solved our social problem with the children who didn't want to accept responsibility, who find school tiresome, who really want to do what they want to do, not what the system and their parents expect of them. Think about it. It's not such a bad idea. We've been having unseasonable weather around the country, I think. At least the sun has come out today and I'm able to take in the rays for a few minutes, something I won't be doing once I hit the unsunny shores of my homeland. And talking about homeland, my lovely blue-eyed cowboy, who wants me to join him in his Texanhood, called our congressman, Sam Johnson, last week after my failed attempt to get an expedition date for my interview so that I can be naturalised before I travel to England in two weeks. My blue-eyed cowboy met with Mr Johnson's assistant and found out, through making chatty Texan conversation, that she knows the well-heeled stranger I'm always talking about in my homeschooling journey. My friend and the congressman's assistant worked together on the Young Republicans. They'd also been to each other's houses for parties and functions, and we probably even met both her and Sam Johnson at one of my friend's holiday bashes. It's not very often that the small world catches up with one in America, but when it does, it certainly helps get the wheels turning a bit faster. I was no longer a case number. I became a person. So I'm taking my test, having my interview, and reciting the pledge next week on the last day in May. Then I'm going to get my passport the following day. I've got to travel in style, not only as an American citizen, but on an American passport too. Now I'll just have to start saying y'all. <laughs> 
well, we have less than two weeks before we're gone. I'm beginning to feel the way I did when I was younger and constantly on the move. I can't wait to get on with my new life. I can't imagine staying a moment longer and begin to grow weary of the old life. Although if it wasn't for the beautiful willow tree and rose bushes in my mother's garden, I would be lamenting over leaving my beautiful back 40. Everyone who's known me for any length of time says I've been threatening to leave for so long they can't believe it's actually happening. Well, the second child who took us around their work was my son. He toured us around his area of the zoo, the Hoofstock. Um, there are 13 or 14 barns that he works in with a range of species from okapi to zebra to addicts and spring clippers to dikers and oryxes. They're spread apart and we walked for what seemed like miles between the barns. As we were taking our trek, our energetic dancer daughter said, oh, I couldn't work here, too much walking. She's like that in London, you think. I was the 19-year-old. She lags behind and complains that her legs hurt, yet she can dance and take class for hours. I came home from the zoo physically tired in a good way. I thought if I did that every day for three months, how fit I'd get. Hmm. The other two members of my family came home also physically tired, vowing they would never fall into that walking trap again and instantly fell asleep. While we were there, we were given a special tour of the tigers too. The zoo has five Siberian tigers. And as we walked into the enclosure, we were overpowered by the pungent odor that hangs over this particular area. After a few minutes, we got used to it and waited for the keeper to come get us. She was in the middle of switching out tigers on exhibit. There is a complicated system of gates and walkways, all color-coded and padlocked. She was very knowledgeable and gave us an interesting tour. None of the tigers can be in the same pen together. I suppose they're too competitive in too confined a space, although the lions and cheetahs all lounge around together. Perhaps the tigers just don't like each other. A new breeding male is in residence, which has upset the hormone balance, and the tension in the air was palpable. We were able to watch as two tigers located opposite each other with a walkway in between where we were, dunk themselves in water they sat in their large metal bathtubs with just their heads showing they don't like to get their faces wet when they gracefully stood up and climbed out of the water i was happy to learn that they don't shape themselves like a dog but watch out for the spraying they are good shots well that was fun we really enjoyed going around the zoo and doing that and i was really chuffed that two of my working children at least wanted to take us and show us their jobs and um the final branch of our magnificent Bradford pear came down in the last storm. So we've had to cut that down and put it out on the side of the road. In fact, Simon and two of his friends helped with that. One sat in the tree with the chainsaw. My son stood on the ground directing the proceeding, proceeding, blah, 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 proceedings. And then Micah, their Mexican childhood friend, was gazing upward at the branch, playing his part of token Mexican perfectly. We always tease him about our yard work. Anyway, I've managed to go on for another whole hour and it's time for me to bid you farewell for this week. I'm attending a goodbye party tomorrow hosted by my priest and his wife. And on Sunday, we're saying farewell to family. And on Monday, we have a feast in store for us as our boys tackle a brisket with all the fixings for the first time ever. So for this week, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Carla Marie Williams, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, Rosemary. Stay tuned for Ali Lepreet coming up next with This Little Parent Stayed Home. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 through 25. And have a wonderful and safe Memorial Weekend. And I will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi